please turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 34. Second Chronicles 34. I want to share with you a picture of personal revival. And we see this picture in the life of Josiah uh, in a time very dark in Israel. Before we go into this passage, I want to pray. Our Lord, please come and speak to us now. We come with our emptiness and ask for your fullness. Please give us your Holy Spirit. Fill us that we may receive your word as we ought to, that we may be broken over sin as we ought to, and that we may pray as we ought to in this hour. We come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Josiah is the king in Israel that was uh, one of the child kings, started reigning as eight years old. But he was born in a time of, of great darkness. He, his grandfather was Manasseh, and he's near the top as one of the most wicked kings in Israel. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord. He provoked the Lord to anger. He was a ruthless ruler. He shed much innocent blood, and he was an infamous idolater. He built up the high places that his father Hezekiah had broken down. He erected altars to many false gods all over the land and even in the temple itself. And he was so devoted to the worship of Moloch that he offered one of his sons as a burnt offering. Just as his grandfather Ahaz had done the same thing. But worst of all, Manasseh led all the people of Jerusalem and Judah to join in all these abominations so that the horrific statement is made in 2 Kings 21 and in this passage, 2 Chronicles 33, that Manasseh led Israel astray to do more evil than the nations had done, whom the Lord had destroyed before the people of Israel. So the Lord had wiped out the Canaanites because they had engaged in every abominable thing that the Lord hates, including all types of sexual immorality, all types of idolatry to the point of child sacrifice. So the Lord wiped out the Canaanite. But here it says that Israel was even worse. And they had become more wicked than these Canaanites. What was coming? A great outpouring of wrath on Israel. Now we have a beautiful story of Manasseh at the end of his life, humbling himself and the Lord restoring him and seeing God's mercy in that. But still the people of God did not turn back to the Lord. And there still was... God's wrath was still going to come on the people. And Josiah comes to, to uh, be reigning at this time in the midst of such darkness when the fierce wrath of God is looming overhead. But what a breath of fresh air we find when we get to chapter 34 here of a man who was not a man of his times. He was not like many of the other kings. He did what was right in God's sight. Let's look at Second Chronicles 34, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. Praise the Lord. 
here's a, a man who's contrast from all these others. He, he was one who pleased the Lord. And he's even compared with King David. And when he was tempted to turn to the right, to the left, in these temptations, he stuck to the straight path. What's the story behind why this king was so different? Well, it starts in verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, at 16 years old, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. Josiah is crowned king at eight, no doubt heavily influenced by counselors and teachers around him. And at this point, he doesn't have the scriptures. They've been lost. But he was no doubt told the stories of his grandfather Manasseh and his repentance and probably the stories of all the way back to David, the mighty warrior, the killer of giants, and perhaps even the part of him being the man after God's own heart. And was it one of these stories that affected him? We don't know exactly, but we know that something happened in his 16th year. While he was yet young, he began to seek the Lord. So here, the Lord became his life focus. The Lord became his fervent desire, even as a teenager. Yahweh was no longer just the God of his fathers became his own God. He personally sought after the Lord himself. And I want to urge us to not stop praying for our children, for our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, all the young people in our churches, especially teenagers. They would all seek the Lord while they are young. Let's pray that when they come to that crucial time, when they're deciding whether God will be their God, not just the God of their parents or a parent figure, but their, their God, that God will help them see clearly that the Lord is desirable. Seeking him, knowing him is worth giving up everything else. And we can pray that they would not make the tragic mistake of many in abandoning the Lord for the vanity of this world. Let's pray that the Lord will visit them like Samuel, that he will call them and that they would respond like him. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. May God raise up a generation of those who seek him, who when they hear the Lord say, seek my face, their heart would respond. Your face, Lord, do I seek. This is the introduction we have to Josiah. But I want to go further in looking some into his story and see some characteristics of a personal revival that happened into his life later. The scripture is going to tell a really powerful story. It's quite inspiring and instructive for us if we desire revival in our own lives. I see five characteristics of the personal revival, and I'm just going to look at two today and maybe maybe the rest next month. The revival began in his 26th year. And in that year, something happened that totally changed everything because before this time, he had not had a copy of God's word. It had been lost. Maybe someone hid it when there was wicked kings, they wanted to preserve it, but he didn't have this copy until he ordered the repairing of the temple and Hilkiah, the priest, found it, brought it to Shaphan, the secretary, who then brought it to King Josiah. Uh, as Josiah hears this for the first time, I want you to look at his reaction of 
hearing God's word for the first time and to see what happened in his trembling at the word of God. And this we read in verse 18. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah and Ahiakim the son of Shaphan and Abdon the son of Micah and Shaphan the scribe and Isaiah a servant of the king saying go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found for great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this book. Wow, this is the word of God for us. The Lord had a message just hitting the king at just the right time and he responded with humility. He responded with a trembling because he knew this was true. The people of Israel had engaged in wicked idolatry. They had made, he had already made efforts to purge Israel of some idolatry, but at this point, he had only gone so far in his purging of this. And it seems before this, he's, he's content. He's at ease. But at this time, he is not at ease. The day came when he could no longer be at ease because he heard the voice of the Lord speak about the seriousness of sin. The Lord of God is now known. How does he respond? He responds with an attentiveness. He listens. He, he takes it into his heart, and then a powerful transformation happens in his heart. It's like he's, he's struck with the seriousness of sin, like the pain of a sore thrusting into his side, and him cowering under this fresh, sharp blade that just pierced him, or like the pain of being hit by a hammer. Here he winces as the hammer of God's law comes down with a shattering blow on his calloused heart. He felt as if he'd been struck, like he was broken, like he was torn. So what does he do? The outward expression of repentance, he rips his shirt down the middle, expressing the inner tearing of his heart. Josiah trembled at the word of God because he believed this was true. What God said was really going to happen. God was going to bring those curses that are described in the law in Israel because they really had, they directly disobeyed what God had told them not to do. And they carelessly disobeyed what God told them to do. He said in verse 21, great is the wrath that is poured out on us. He feared the Lord. He feared his wrath. And he knew it was going to be let loose on him and his people. And he can't be at ease because of this. He was trembling also because of his tender and humble heart to the Lord. He wasn't filled with pride. He didn't begin to make excuses. He came with an honest recognition that he had sinned and his people had sinned. He says in verse 21, our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. He was deeply disturbed by this disobedience. He was horrified by this, this hideous nature of sin. As he heard it, it was named and it was framed in God's perspective. 
That's what's needed so many times. We don't see sin as hideous because we don't see it as God says it is. And he must have wondered to himself, why have I been so blind to this? Why has my heart been so callous to this? Why have I been so at ease? Why was he not moved, moved pity for my people and moved with zeal for my God till now? Why am I not seized with burning indignation because of the wickedness of my people who have forsaken the law? Why does my body not tremble in fear of God and fear of his judgments? Why do my eyes not shed streams of tears? Because my people are not keeping God's law. But now I'm no longer at ease. Now I am humbled before the Lord. My heart is broken before him. And this is what we see, a true revival in his heart. The spirit worked in his heart to show him the seriousness of sin. He humbles himself. And he doesn't stay there. He doesn't stay Merely in that state of humiliation, he moves on to the second point of inquiring of God about the sin. That's what he calls Hilkiah to do. I need God's direction and what to do next. And here we see for us too, we cannot stay in a state of humiliation when our sins are exposed. We cannot just weep for ourselves. We must weep before the Lord. If we're moved with conviction of sin, we must go to him. We must let the stirrings of the spirit drive us to the Lord himself and plead with him for mercies because our tears can't wash away our sins. Only the Lord can. And our tears cannot wash away the sins of those we love either. But the Lord can. And we can go to him and pray to him. And he answers as he did for Josiah. And if we ourselves are in any sin, First John says, if anyone has sinned, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. The appeasement of wrath is available because God has sent us his son. And so this is what we pray, that we ourselves would trust in that and that God would do the same in bringing about personal revival in the lives of all those we pray for tremble at God's word as Isaiah Isaiah chapter 66 says but this man will I look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word may the Lord do this amen